0: Hello, my friend, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. It's Paul White. It's the fourth day of May. I'm in a passage from Mark chapter 9 that I'm quite fond of. This entire Elijah must come first before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. I I, um, got a response from a DDP listener some months ago that said, please write your next book on Elijah and Elisha and Jesus and John the Baptist, or John the Baptist and Jesus. um, I can't say that I have not thought of that. I think that there is a spectacular allegory or image, let me say it that way, an image, in the Elijah-Elisha relationship of the Old Testament to the John the Baptist-Jesus relationship of the New Testament, and that I even think that there are elements in Elisha and I know it's probably more Hebrew to be Elisha, so you don't get it confused with Elijah, but you know. Uh, There's elements in Elisha's life that seem to be the Holy Spirit sort of squeezing out of Elisha and uh, out of his mouth and out of his decisions some of the things that will come so freely for Jesus. I'm going to give you one of those today as we try to Let's get back to the text first so you know where we are. Mark chapter 9, Jesus says in verse 13, Elijah has also come and they did to him whatever they wished as it's written of him. I read for you yesterday the Matthew 17 version of the transfiguration story. Matthew adds the verse, they knew that he was speaking of John the Baptist. So let me show you how they knew he was speaking of John the Baptist. To do that, we go a little further back into Matthew. Into the 11th chapter at a scene in which John sends messengers to Jesus, his disciples, to find out whether or not Jesus is the one. Which is an interesting turn of events, seeing as John was convinced Jesus was the one, convinced enough to say, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But Jesus then does not live up to expectations. He does not raise an army and overthrow Rome. In fact, he doesn't even come in Preaching hardcore the law of Moses, the way that John does. John preaches it so hardcore it gets him thrown into prison. So John starts to wonder if he's backed the wrong horse. Go find out if he's really the one. Jesus' response is: Well, you guys go tell John the things that you see and that you hear, and that the blind see and the lame walk, and lepers are cleansed. The poor have the gospel preached to him, and that's a trigger phrase. The poor have the gospel preached to them because one of the direct prophecies of the Messiah in Isaiah 35 was that he would come for the poor. John knows his quote-unquote Bible, and so we don't hear John questioning Jesus again. But Jesus doesn't leave it alone. After they leave, he turns to the multitudes and teaches on John the Baptist. Matthew 11:11, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Interesting. In the dimension of Moses and the temple economy, he goes, you can't do better than John. But in the kingdom that I'm preaching to you, you're automatically in a better shape than John. So the very least in the kingdom is greater than the very best in, the, in morality, in the moral code. Verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. So under the Mosaic economy, there is a only the strong survive mentality. And it is people trying to squeeze into through their moral performance. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. So all of it was culminating in John. All of the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, if you're willing to accept it, he's Elijah. Because it's going to be a stretch. You're going to have to have the ears to hear that. And if you have the ears to hear it, you'll accept that it is is Elijah. But to what shall I liken this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplace. Let me jump down for John verse 18 and 19 John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon son of man came eating and drinking and they say look glutton and wine beber a friend of tax collectors and sinners but wisdom is justified by her children so Jesus is saying John came in one manner I come in a completely different manner you didn't accept John when he came in his manner any more than you're going to accept me when I come in my manner you said John doesn't eat or drink. Well, he must be demon-possessed. By the way, they actually said that about Jesus, too, that he was demon-possessed. But with Jesus, they said, look, he's a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors, a friend of sinners. And I kind of have a sort of a comical theory that maybe Jesus had a little bit of a belly. Maybe he was a little big, and they called him gluttonous. I don't know. I'm just saying, and, and perhaps it was just because he ate with so many different people, they called him a glutton. But the phrase glutton winebibber does actually have connotations in Torah because if your son was rebellious, he was considered a glutton and a winebibber. And so the accusation might have less to do with the eating and the drinking and more to do with Jesus. They think Jesus is an open rebellion against the Father. In either case, what Jesus establishes with with his disciples is that you don't have to look any farther for Elijah He's already here in the form of John the Baptist. Now, what has not happened at this point in the story is the death of John the Baptist. He will have his head cut off. He will vanish from the scene, and then Jesus will come on the scene in in a force that up until this point they had not seen before. That leads me to taking this to the next step. And to do that, We have to go back to the story of Elijah and Elisha and then parallel it a little bit with some of the things that happened in John the Baptist and in Jesus because I actually believe that Jesus is replaying in some ways Elisha's story so that we can see the double portion anointing. We can see that Jesus is the one we ought to be watching. Transfiguration simply fast forwards that. It magnifies that. But through his lifestyle, Jesus tries to show it. So what we'll do tomorrow is we'll actually take a bit of a diversion. We'll keep talking about Elijah, Elisha, John, and Jesus, but we'll go into the King's book, Second Kings, to try and show you a passage that I think is a vivid example of Jesus picking up the mantle, pun intended, of Elisha. We'll see you then. God bless.